welcome to a special edition of Her Story on the Rocks. Typically, it would be Katie and I, my co-host, sitting here talking about famous women in history, but sometimes we like to talk to women who are writing about history. We have a very special guest here with us today, Amanda McCrina. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. We're so happy to talk to you. Amanda is a former teacher, and she's currently a bookseller and an author. She's here today to talk about her newest book, The Silent Unseen. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so, I mean, you kind of covered the basics. Um, I live outside of Nashville. I work at a small independent bookstore. I was formerly a middle school and high school history teacher, Um, I've always had a passion for history, and my family has um, Polish roots, and I've always been particularly interested in the Polish experience during World War II, so that was kind of what um, I focused on when I started writing historical fiction. Awesome. That's so incredible. And you have a previous book, right, called Traitor? Yes, also set in Poland during World War II. Yep, same setting. (laughs) Very cool, very cool. Okay, so I want to introduce the cocktail that we made for your book because it's called The Silent Unseen. We wanted to make a cocktail that looks like one thing but is actually completely separate ingredients. Love it. So it it looks like a gin and tonic, but it is not a gin and tonic. It has vanilla vodka instead of tonic water. It has some other flavored bubblies. And then instead of lemon, or sorry, instead of lime, we put in lemon. And instead of a lime wedge, it's a green apple. So I love it. I want one right now. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to drink it to make myself feel better with my cold, but okay. So let's start by Diving into the setting of your book, which is also, like you just said, you have Polish roots and the setting of your previous book as well. This is in, this one specifically is in Poland post-World War II. What does that look like? Um, So this is what was then Eastern Poland. It's actually now Western Ukraine. The borders changed kind of drastically after the war, Um, but this region was part of Poland at the time. It was an area that had been fought over throughout the war. It changed hands three, four, five times. Um, It was first invaded by the Soviets, actually, in 1939. Uh, Then the Germans came through, kicked the Soviets out, and then there was a German occupation for several years. And all throughout that time, um, there were resistance movements, both from the Poles and the ethnic Ukrainians who lived in the area. And all of these groups, Germans and Soviets and Poles and Ukrainians, are fighting each other. Um, You know, it's a four-way war going on, so it's very complicated. Um, There's a lot of groups that you've got to keep track of. There's a lot of acronyms to keep track of. Um, But basically, that's that's the setup, is that you've got a four-way war going on. And the main conflict in this book is the conflict between Poles and Ukrainians, which had historic roots going back, I mean, centuries, but specifically going back to um, the end of World War One, when Poland regained its independence, um, the Polish government kind of started cracking down on um, minorities because they wanted to create a strong Polish national identity. And the Polish government kind of mistreated its Ukrainian minority throughout the 20s, throughout the 30s, and that kind of exploded into this ethnic conflict during World War II. Yeah, so you write young adult novels, correct? 
Yes. <laughs> well, technically young adult, they do crossover, I think, to an adult audience, but yes. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, I'm one of the big, like, I read a lot of the new adult fiction, right? Which sure. Is yeah. Upper edge, but I remember growing up a lot of the historical fiction I read was set during World War II. And when I started reading about your book and reading sections of your book, I found it really interesting to be set directly afterwards. What was your goal in drawing people's attention to like, hey, this piece of the war ended, but there's so much more going on? Um, I think it's important for us as Americans, I think, especially to know that when you know, VE Day happened, when the war in Europe ended for England and America, the war wasn't, uh, people in Poland didn't think the war ended then, because not, they had defeated Germany, but then they had a brutal Soviet occupation that lasted for another half century, so Polish people especially didn't really have the opportunity to enjoy the war ending, the war did not end for them, Um, you had resistance movements that lasted into the 50s, in some cases into the 60s, you had an ongoing conflict. And I think it was important for me to kind of stress that the war wasn't over for everybody. Um, You know, the Western allies kind of were like, okay, we're done, we're going home. And the war continued in the East for for many years. Um, And I think it's it's just a forgotten kind of unknown history. I think um, there have been more attempts in the last few decades, especially to kind of tell this history now that we have some more access to archives and history from Eastern Europe. I mean, obviously throughout the Soviet period, we didn't have a lot of access to to the history and, and now we do. And I think there's been more attempts to tell these stories, but not really in the young adult space. And that was kind of a goal for me. Yeah, that's incredible. So let's talk a little bit about your main character, Maria. She's 16 years old. She just spent time in a forced labor camp. What's going on in in her life? Yeah, so she is what is called an Osterbeiter, which is um, an Eastern European who was taken for slave labor. Um, When we think of uh, the war in Eastern Europe, obviously we think of the Holocaust. We think of um, Jewish victims of German oppression. Um, Maria is, or Maria is the Polish pronunciation and then Maria is the Ukrainian pronunciation. So either one is fine. Um, so, and I actually go back and forth with the pronunciation myself, but anyway, she, um, she's a Polish girl. She's not Jewish. She's an ethnic Pole. She's taken by the Germans to work, um, in a factory. Um, she's actually working in the Opel automobile factory, uh, which was a historical occurrence. Um, there are several major German companies that exist to say that use slave labor um, during World War II. Opel is one of them. Um, and I do want to note that some of these companies have made great strides to acknowledge, you know, their wartime past. Um, but anyway, she's working as a slave laborer for this company. She's been there for two years um, through basically some lucky circumstances circumstances she manages to escape and is trying to make her way back home. She doesn't know what's happened to her family. She's been gone for over two years. So she's trying to go back home to Poland to figure out what happened to her family. Mm. Um, And yeah, it was important to me to tell the story of these Osterbeider because again, it's unknown history. I hadn't even heard of, of this group of people until I started researching my previous book. And then I realized there was a massive amount of young Eastern Europeans who were taken as slave laborers over millions of them were taken. And it was 
a question that I wanted to answer for myself, what happened to them after the war? Um, were some of them able to go home? What did they find when they managed to make it home? I mean, the Eastern Front was brutal. So I'm, you know, expecting that when some of them got back home, their homes weren't there. And that was something I wanted to explore. That's so interesting because we think a lot about like present day, how the experiences with COVID are going to affect teens moving into the future. Um, And this is even more like direct physical, like onto, you said the Polish pronunciation is what, Maria? So it's Maria. So like two syllables, Maria. Yeah. Okay. Maria. So how did you kind of take that trauma to help form her character? Yeah, she's, she was difficult to write, I think, because of her trauma. Obviously, I haven't experienced the level of trauma that she's been through. And again, I'm writing for young adults. That doesn't mean I'm sanitizing anything. That doesn't mean I'm kind of whitewashing or glossing over anything. But I I do want to make sure that she's a character who's approachable and relatable for young adult readers. And so it was, it was a balance of how much do I show of her experience, you know, and she's had a rough two years to put it, you know, mildly. Um, there are hints in the text that she's, you know, dealt with sexual assault. There's hints of all the kind of things that she's had to deal with that affect her as a character. Um, she can't trust people anymore. She's always expecting that if someone's helping her, she has to pay them back because that's, kind of the life that she got used to when she was uh, living in the labor camp. Um, So it's definitely affected her as a person. And I think it makes her kind of a difficult character uh, to read. It was definitely difficult for me to write her because she's not, um, she's not a, you know, I don't want to say she's not a kind character. She has a kind heart, a soft heart, I think, but the war has changed her. Mm. And she's become a very emotionally distant person. Um, she's become someone who does things that we might think are kind of morally questionable to get what she wants. And it, the war and the circumstances and the experiences that she's been through have made her into this character that she probably wouldn't have recognized before the war. So, Yeah. And she has a couple big relationships in the book, one of them being uh, with and surrounding her brother, and one being with um, and surrounding this Ukrainian prisoner. Can we kind of talk about her relationships with both of those people? Yeah, so um, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say her parents are dead. She gets back home and she realizes her her parents have been killed. And she thinks her older brother is dead as well. The whole family thought he was dead in the first few months of the war. And then she realizes when she gets home, again, I don't think this is too much of a spoiler because I think the back cover blurb gives this away. Mm -hmm. But um, she she realizes her older brother is actually still alive. Um, So he becomes kind of what what gives her not meaning or purpose, but it, it kind of is her ability to hold on to what she the life she knew before the war um kind of her brother is all that's left from what she had before the war so her bond which has always been close with him becomes almost desperate and um when he disappears um she has to find him um for herself for for her own sense of identity for her own sense of um meaning in life she has to find him um and so she sets out on this quest to to 
find out what happened to him and to rescue him. Um, and yeah, you mentioned um, the Ukrainian character, Kostya. So she thinks, she suspects that her brother has been kidnapped um, by Ukrainian partisans. So her way to get at him, to rescue him, is to use this Ukrainian prisoner, Kostya, to kind of help her find him. So as the story develops, she she um, gets to know Kostya a little better. They kind of start realizing where the other one is coming from. They develop kind of an empathy, and then it develops into something that could become a romance. I mean, I think it's very subtle, but um, obviously there's a romantic attraction between them. But yeah, she... Um, she needs her brother, I think. And then by the end of the book, uh, hopefully what I'm trying to get across is that she's developed other relationships as well. Um, she has hope for the future. Um, her life is not just bound up in her past and trying to recover her past. She has hope for the future as well. So, yeah, I know that when I was reading, um, excerpts from the book, one thing that I saw a lot of in terms of main themes were, perseverance and resilience and just internal strength and bravery like just this idea of like yes this happened and I'm going to move forward is that really like what you wanted people to walk away from as they read this um I I, that was definitely part of it um and I think that was something that I came across as I as I read sources as I was writing and researching this book um people who had lived through these kind of just awful hardships, um, they, they would find something that would give them, you know, purpose or motivation to keep going. Um, whether it was just a small, um, small thing, you know, trying to find where their next meal was coming from, or I mean, something small that gave each step, um, of their life motivation. And that's something she talks about. And Maria talks about at one point in the book, she's like, I have to just keep focusing on the next step. Um, so she's trying to give herself, again, reasons to keep going. When I feel like we we read her and we're like, how, how can she even, you know, keep going? She's lost so much. She's suffered so much. But I think this was something that um, I, I saw again and again in my sources is that, again, people would find something um, that they could hold on to and give them motivation. And then, yeah, by the end of the book, obviously, she's she's got, she's moved past um, her losses and she's looking toward the future. And that was something I wanted, um, to convey. I also wanted to convey that, um, she and Kostya, even though they're on different sides, opposite sides of the war, they, they, they're able to find common ground. And I think the idea of people reaching across bitter, divides, bitter ethnic divides, bitter political divides and cultural divides, as we see in Poland at this time, um, that was something that was a theme I wanted to explore, but also it was something, again, that I saw in my sources. I came across story after story of um, Ukrainians who gave their lives to help Poles or Poles who gave their lives to help Ukrainians. And kind of the seed of the story was planted when I came across the story of a Polish resistance fighter who actually worked together with the Ukrainians, even though they were enemies, and they actually ended up working together to fight the Soviets. And that was kind of the seed of the story, was that actual true story of um, cooperation between the Poles and the Ukrainians. So, mm. 
How did your relationship with Maria change as you wrote the book? You started out, right, with one character and kind of a character outline, but did you find yourself developing a stronger connection with her? Uh, again, she she remained difficult to write throughout, again, because she's been through so much trauma that I don't even have a point of reference for. I mean... Obviously, I can read survivors' accounts and eyewitness accounts of people who went through this kind of thing, but I haven't been through it myself. So um, just getting into her head was difficult. Like, where would she be mentally after an experience like this? But I I think as I wrote her, uh, yeah, there were parts of her personality that came out that that I did connect more to. She has a sense of humor, which I think is kind of surprising to some readers despite what she's been through she does she does have a sense of humor um and that was something that was important to me um to write about um again she's not just hopefully a one-dimensional character. you know she's not just someone who is just moving aimlessly kind of from one point to the next she has um parts of her personality that weren't suppressed or weren't destroyed even through all the hardships that she's been through and so I mean there's definitely parts of her that I that I can relate to and that I think are maybe parts of me that come out in her character but again it was so difficult to just kind of figure out where she would be at mentally and I had a lot of help from um, um, beta readers sensitivity readers um, to kind of try to convey her trauma you know realistically and respectfully But um, yeah, she's a difficult character. She was difficult to write. Yeah. So you've mentioned a little bit about your sources. What type of primary and secondary sources and research did you have to do for this book and your previous book since they're kind of about the same era? Yeah, no, thankfully I was able to kind of reuse some of the same sources I used for my first book, Trader, because uh, again, they, they have the same setting. In fact, some of the characters are the same. So I wouldn't call The Silent Unseen a sequel, but it's definitely a companion novel. Um, there are some crossover characters. And I used um, a lot of the scholarship that's been done on um, Ukrainian nationalism. And also the relationships between Ukrainians and Poles at this time, because this is history that still affects people today. Uh, This is history that still affects people's sense of identity. This is very sensitive history, very difficult history. Um, When I've talked about these books before, or when I've talked about the history behind them, um, I I point out that as recent as, I think, 2017, uh, the Polish and the Ukrainian governments accused each other of genocide during World War II. Uh, This is a very difficult relationship um, between these two countries because they have this history of um, conflict. Um, You have what the Poles consider ethnic cleansing by Ukrainian nationalists um, during the war. You have um, then Polish reprisals against the Ukrainians during the war, and both sides, again, accuse each other of genocide during the war. And so I was definitely trying to make sure I was reading the scholarship that's been done, the historiography that's been done about the Polish-Ukrainian relationship. Um, So a lot of like reading of like academic stuff that I think I was probably the only one who had ever checked those books out of the library. But um, I also um, went through a lot of firsthand kind of autobiographical accounts um, 
there was a book I read that was about a young woman who had fought with the Ukrainian underground during World War II. One of my favorite sources was actually a compilation of stories that the Polish government put together about, um, I think I mentioned this earlier, about Ukrainians who had um, sheltered or protected their Polish neighbors when um, the Ukrainian nationalist movement was actually trying to like wipe out the, the Polish population in this part of, of Poland. Um, so there's this compilation of stories of Ukrainians who gave their lives to protect their Polish neighbors um, that, again, I just found very useful and very encouraging, honestly. So. And when you're writing about a time like this, especially with historical fictions, I, I'm always curious, is it hard to balance what is um, fictional and what is nonfiction? Yes, very difficult. In <laughs> fact, um, <laughs> some of the readership feedback that I've gotten has been about how complicated and difficult and complex the story is to follow just because of the amount of groups involved. And And my my response is usually, you're reading the simplified version of the manuscript. When I first sent um, the manuscript of Traitor, my first book, to my editor, um, he was like, no one is going to be able to track with this. He didn't say dumb it down, but he was definitely like, simplify this, you know, so that a reader can track with you. So that was a challenge because I knew, okay, this is history that is so sensitive and so fraught, and I don't want to oversimplify it. I don't want to whitewash anything. I need to be respectful of how complicated the history is. So finding the balance between making something like respectful and also readable is, is very difficult. I think the silent unseen is probably a little more accessible. Um, there's not quite as many different groups and characters that you've got to keep track of as in Trader, but it's still complicated. And I think um, to some extent, there's no way to get around that. I mean, this history is complicated, and if you try to simplify it, you're going to lose some of the nuance, and you might end up disrespecting, you know, the actual victims or um, the actual people who experienced this history. So, I mean, to yeah, to some extent, this history is complicated, and there's no way to get around it. Yeah, I think that's an important thing to hear and just to, like, verbalize. Like, not every, you know, especially, like, not every YA historical fiction can just be, like, you know, X, Y, Z done. Sure, exactly. There's so yeah. much happening that they needs to lend context to the story. Yes, for sure. So did you have a part that was your favorite part to write in the story? Obviously, there's a lot of difficult parts. There's a lot of um, highly sensitive parts. But was there like a chapter or a section or a character that just like flowed right out of you? Um. I love writing dialogue. So anytime you come across a stretch of like dialogue, that was probably, I was probably enjoying myself there. Uh -huh. um, but I, I really liked the scene um, kind of maybe two thirds of the way through the book when Kostya and Maria, um, again, they're trying to kind of working together, traveling together. And um, I don't want to give any spoilers, but Maria does something that is essentially a betrayal of Kostya. And I, I loved writing that moment because it's the moment where you realize Kostya actually has romantic feelings for her. And it's just, it was so, I mean, fun is an awful word, but it was fun to write because there's so much conflict. She is thinking of the mission. She's thinking of finding her brother and she's willing to do anything to, to, to accomplish that goal. And she doesn't, I think, even realize at that point that 
Kostya actually has developed romantic feelings for her. So she's not even thinking about that. And she does something that essentially stabs him in the back. And just, I loved writing that moment. Um, I think it created a lot of, of conflict that was fun to resolve um, toward the end of the book. So I, I loved that moment. Mm. Well, this just sounds like so much fun to read. I have a copy. I've read through some of it. I can't wait to finish it up. <laughs> um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you, where they can find Silent Unseen, where they can find Trader, and where they can follow you for future works? Sure. So um, my website is just my name. It's amandamacrina.com. Um, I'm currently doing a giveaway of my first book, Trader. I have some paperback copies, and what I've been doing is that I've been giving them away to people who email me a receipt of a donation to Ukrainian charities or Ukrainian humanitarian relief efforts. So if you've made a donation to um, a Ukrainian charity or relief effort, um, you know, email me and I will send you a copy of Trader. So that's something I've been I've been doing for the past few months. Um, I still have some copies left, so I kind of want to plug that. Um, but yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Um, you can find my books um, anywhere that books are sold. Um, and I'm really, yeah, thankful to have been able to talk, talk to yeah. you about, about the books. Amazing. And as always request these books at your local library. So people who are not as fortunate can go and get them. For Me? sure. Yes. Everyone. <laughs> so thank you so much for being here. It's been a blast talking to you and we can't wait to follow your future projects. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.